Hello and welcome to the Business of Data podcast. My name is Catherine King and I'll be your host. In this podcast, we chat to senior executives from a range of departments, industries and functions, all about their passions, experiences and challenges within data analytics. Let's go ahead and dive straight into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Business of Data podcast brought to you by Corinium. Today we are talking all about in-between transformation, specifically how to navigate that time when you're between innovations and transformations in data and analytics. Now to talk about just that, we have invited the wonderful Dr. Justin Smith, who's a Senior Director of Advanced Analytics from from St. Luke's Health System. Now, if you haven't had the pleasure of meeting Justin, just a few intro facts to get you uh, up to speed. Justin's been with St. Luke's since July 2019. And prior to then, he's worked within a number of companies, including OTA and Stanford Health as well. Now, if you can't find Justin at his work desk, your best bet would be to pop on some hiking boots and head to the great outdoors. Justin, great to see you. Thank you very much. Great to see you. It's wonderful to be here. Now, obviously, our listeners uh, can't see you right now, so I'm going to describe the beautiful Zoom background you have, which is just beautiful snow-covered mountains. And I mentioned there in the intro that you love the great outdoors. Um, Tell me a bit about what you get up to. Uh, I know you're keen on adventures. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So some of my favorite things to do are to be outside, right? I think that's a very easy thing that we can all kind of uh, get on board with is it's nice to be outside. I I had the pleasure of growing up in Alaska. Uh, No choice of my own. My parents were there and that's where I was born. But uh, I had an exposure to adventure that I realize now is probably not the norm. And so growing up, getting to Summit Mountains and, you know, do these pretty epic backcountry ski trips and, you know, be outside in in all the elements and experience nature and all of it. It's full glory, uh, both in a context of, you know, supreme beauty and also supreme death sometimes uh, is fascinating. And so it's something that I, I continue to search out, seek out and enjoy today. And so, yeah, it's if you can't find me working, more than likely I'll be off by myself with a very small group of people getting up to a very fun adventure. I absolutely love that. And I love that you touch on both sides of, of needing to respect it as well, because uh, it is a dangerous place to be. And I mean, there, there's a reason I always kick off the podcast with these intros. I mean, one, it brings a bit of humanization to the leaders in this space, but also I am a huge believer that it shapes our approach and how we, we uh, interact with our job. So would you say that you're kind of passion for adventure and seeking out challenges has impacted your leadership in, in what you do? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, kind of in preparation for this, I was thinking about what's a way to explain it. So it's, it's, um, it's understandable in terms of how I think about leadership, right? And so if you're looking at going and out, going out for even a day trip to go hike and summit a mountain or summit a local peak or go out for a, a long walk or not, go out to, to view the edge of the beautiful Vista view, the idea is, you know, a lot of times we think about once you get to the top, that's it. When in reality, it's a full journey that starts with preparation even before the event begins, right? How are you feeling? How's your hydration? How's your nutrition? How's your fitness? And then going into the beginning of it and you, you get you know the movement to the peak of the mountain, you enjoy that view, you take the picture, but you're only halfway done. You have to get back home safely. And so I think from a leadership perspective, that's personally how I view a lot of the projects that we get to work on where Somebody says, this is the idea we want to go tackle, meaning that's the top of the mountain to get to. But in reality, there's a lot of preparation work, the work to be done on the way up. Once you get there, you get to say, hooray, we're at the top of the mountain. 
celebrate this moment, take that picture. And then in advanced analytics or in analytics journeys, that's the, that's the halfway point because then you get to maintain that, right? Nobody says, oh, great, I have what I need. I'll never need this again. Very rarely <laughs> do they ever say that. Uh, one of the other jokes I like to say is we're not collecting any less data, right? And so <laughs> we're continually to kind of infuse all the information we have at our fingertips into our decision-making. And it's sort of the beginning of the journey or the halfway point, and then you have to navigate and lead through the rest of the way home. I absolutely love that. I mean, our, our regular listeners will know I thrive off of a very visual uh, description and I think that works so well. And I think, it, I mean, we're not talking about it today, but it lends into the discussion around uh, the debate as to who looks after models and things like that, because that's an increasing debate as to whether that's data scientists or model operators and things, because it is very much that. It's about the hurrah, we've got it, but then what about the journey uh, down the mountain, as you say. So uh, an interesting uh, visualization to run with in, in future episodes for sure. But it does tee me nicely up to talk about what we're talking about here today, which is about that middle ground where we are between transformations. And I think uh, having caught up with you previously, Justin, this is a really interesting area. And I think uh, let's let's start off by setting the scene of what this means to you and how you're currently experiencing that with being kind of caught, caught in between uh, uh, transformation. Yeah, absolutely. So transformation is a very broad word, but I think for how we could discuss it today is in one of the applications that I'm seeing or experiencing currently is we have, you know, many of us have these incredible teams of data scientists that can build these beautiful models that are completely custom within our organizations, and they are able to be maintained and provide insights. At the same time, what's happening kind of on that innovation front or the transformation front is there's now large organizations, large temp companies, also small tech companies that are to build these really highly specific, I don't want to say out of the box because everything takes tuning, but models and or applications that can be very impactful for your business, but the data science portion has already been completed and it's much more of a keeping it, keeping it going and making sure it's providing the right insights for your organization. And that is still data science, you know, using advanced analytics, machine learning, AI, those types of areas, but it's in a different way than how when you're building it yourself internally. And I think the big thing that's kind of going through my mind now for a future state, so thinking about kind of the strategic, strategic implications for the long term are who's going to help to maintain or to interface with those large scale kind of, you know, pre-done pre models that you're going to ingest into your enterprise versus is that the same group that should be building and maintaining those small, really agile, um, you know, kind of really far out there models that, you know, if they work, will have a vast improvement uh, on what's going on day to day. And so I think that's the idea too with this, you know, transformation that we're seeing that's coming. And I think some organizations are experiencing more than others, kind of depending on where your organization is along your, your data journey and data culture. Mm -hmm. But that's something where kind of future proofing or planning for that is, is something that I'm thinking about now. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you mentioned there about whether it's a case of dividing the team or, or different teams working on different things. I mean, how does that look in practice for you and your role in, in overseeing that? I mean, how does that currently look for you? One of the things that I love most about this field is it's constantly changing, mm. right? So when I look for individuals to join our team, teams, it's the idea of, are you a lifelong learner? And I don't say that lightly, meaning do you have what you like to do at work? And then also, are you learning a new skill or a new thing to do, adventure to go on outside of work as well? And kind of thinking about splitting the team, it's, it's this idea where 
understanding what those models are doing, what the machine learning AI is doing in terms of from those large scale kind of you bring in house models is extremely important to be able to have that interaction with the, the vendor. And at the same time, those individuals that really love building and creating things uh, can still do that as well. And so I think in today's current situation, it will probably be the same, the same teams, there's, you know, same types of data science teams, but future state, it might be somebody that goes through school and has a much more business focus, but then kind of has a, a, uh, a minor or, you know, we call the US a minor or a, a less of your major focus, right? So not your major, mm -hmm. but your minor focus on machine learning AI that can then speak the language and understand in general terms what these models are doing in the way that they can help to maintain them and reach out to the individual data scientists kind of, I'm not gonna say, you know, reach, reach through that veil, reach through the wall to the vendor that you're working with that's providing the solutions and their developers to say, here's what we're seeing, can you help us fix this portion and have that same language? Because again, this is an industry that iterates so fast where even our language is changing year over year over year of what's, you know, what, is, what does something mean to you could be very different today than what it means, you know, in a year from now. Uh, and being able to stay up on that in, in terms of a technology linguistic format is very important as well. So I think, mm. you know, back kind of the original question, the idea of who's, who's going to do that today will probably be kind of your data science teams, because that's where the knowledge is. But future state is how do you bring along those individuals in your organization that are interested, right? They're the lifelong learners you want to try and identify yeah. and grow and, and say, who is this? Um, who are these individuals that can help us move this forward from kind of both perspectives? Absolutely. Now, Something that we always talk about here on the podcast and just throughout our, our content is naturally people. And I'm, I'm keen to know, how do you manage the people element behind this? That some folk, as you mentioned, are going to be working on the most innovative, kind of up there with the, the Googles and Amazon type stuff of, of the cool, cool stuff. And there's going to be others working on the very, I want to quote, normal projects, but that feels harsh. Is there going to be a divide within the team that you've almost got kind of your, your A team and B team? How do you manage that? Because both have its value to the business. And I mean, I'm just quite cautious to, to, to understand how, how the human element plays into this. No, I think that's a very pointed way to think about it. And in my mind and how I run teams today is giving individuals the opportunity, right? So you get to self-select into what you want to be experiencing. And that way you kind of stay within your comfort zone, but also are growing as an individual, as a human, and, you know, able to, you know, have a wonderful and successful and enjoyable career because we spend, as you know, a lot of time at work, right? And so the idea for me is currently today's context and today's situation is say we have a really far out there, this might work, but it might not. But if it does, it'll be truly incredible. Mm -hmm. And we kind of look to see who has opportunity, who has availability, uh, you know, within the, within the group. And then usually say, who wants to volunteer for this, right? And so those are kind of the, oh, that looks interesting to me. That's, I love NLP projects. That's an NLP project. I wanted to go and do that. I have some team members that are super excited or some individuals that love time series analysis and time series projects. And they, they kind of are able to self-select in these really high risk, you know, building really, really custom solutions that mm -hmm. when they deliver them, people kind of, I'm going to say this politely, but they lose their minds. Like, they're like, this is incredible. And we're like, thank you. This is something. And what we don't say sometimes is we tried this eight different ways and they all failed, but we have this for you, right? Uh, and so, so I think from the people perspective, it's the idea of giving in today's world, giving those individuals the opportunity to work on those really exciting, a lot of times, especially in healthcare, they're high visibility projects, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, 
um, you know, having the C-suite know who you are as a data scientist in an organization that has tens of thousands of people, it can be intimidating, but it's also exhilarating. And so that's, that's kind of part of it. And in relation to that, the, the kind of quote unquote more normal projects that are going on, those are the day-to-day -day things. Those are what we get to do to support our organization. They might not be the fastest car, the most, you know, brightest color uh, things, but they're very important. And I think being able to balance between those two is good because the idea of you don't want everything you're doing to be so high risk that if nothing works, you're at the end of the day left with holding nothing. So it's yeah. nice to say, and how I try and load balance it is saying, look, I want you guys to be able to have projects that you can say, yes, I'm, I'm helping to move this initiative forward in a, I don't want to say, I'll say it in a methodical way, in the kind of the mm. quote unquote more normal enterprise development type of way. But at the same time too, you've also got one, two, potentially three, not usually more than that, like really high end things that you're working on coding between those moments where, as we all know, you know, you work really, really hard for the kind of normal projects, you deliver something and you have sometimes one or two hours or a day or so to wait for your customers to come back with feedback, right? And that's when we kind of start to stack those things in so that from, from my mind is keeping it interesting because the last yeah. thing I do is be sitting there waiting for somebody to call you back. Like that's horrible. And again, that goes back to the kind of selection or deciding who we get to work with on our team. If you're a lifelong learner, if I have 50 minutes, you know, I'm reading a journal article. Right? Like I'm a scientist by training. I want to know where the cutting edge scientist science is currently. And I have interest in many different areas. And so when I get a 10 or 15 minute break, often when I'm eating, I'm reading, you know, what's the new discovery in this field or, you know, a different field. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I think about the balancing between those and future state will probably be different than that. And that's okay. But that's kind of where we are today and going into uh, setting ourselves up for the future. Yeah, and I mean, I, I didn't even intend to, to bring this up on this particular episode, but I think it lends this approach that you take, Justin, I think lends itself to the to the talent challenges that so many people are experiencing, where I know many executives have, have said to me, look, Catherine, you know, we just don't have very many exciting things for our data scientists to do and they end up getting bored and finding new opportunities but i think what you've done is find a really good balance where you've got the bread and butter you've got the the, the reason to keep your job like you say it's not risky enough that you haven't got anything to hold at the end of the day but then you have those interest pieces that keeps that mind and growth set growing which is just so fundamental to keeping a data scientist happy um, so I think that balance, I think there's going to be many people uh, listening today who, who take heed of, of how you've done that, um, which is interesting. Absolutely. And one other small point to make along, you know, kind of tag onto that is it doesn't have to be anything that's super high risk or high risk. When I, when I speak to fellow leaders, it could be as simple as you have access to a tremendous amount of information. What's something cool that you see or you think that you see in, our, in your data? Right. And that's enough to spark that curiosity that, as we know, you know, data scientists, we're, we're curious beings and we need to be able to discover and be, make new things and see what's what's going on. We have that tenacious ability for that. Uh, and so, you know, even if you don't have if you're an organization that doesn't have, you know, really cutting edge stuff currently going on, giving your data scientists that mental freedom to say, feel free to explore. Like, don't spend all your time exploring clearly, but it's like if you have an idea run it to ground a little bit and then like come back because that's how through the idea of serendipity, really interesting things are discovered. And I think leaving that mental framework open for those data scientists is really important. 
yeah absolutely and um you know as as we know with with any community happy employees uh make for make for good and uh revenue driving employees as well so it's it's not just a good thing to do because uh like you say happy people uh, are happy people it's actually happy people earn money and at the end of the day that's what we're all here to do as well um so i mean given what we we've spoken about so far justin how does this impact your strategy making in the fact that you do have kind of two sides to this coin of, of what you're up to at the moment? No, I think that's something where that's the part that keeps me up at night, right? So as a leader, it's not to think on what's happening today or tomorrow or the next week. It's what's happening in the quarter, quarter by quarter, year by year, sort of look into the future. And so part of it is figuring out what do we think the landscape, what do I think the landscape is going to look? like or two years from now what talent do we need in-house to support that and who do we have today that we can grow into those types of roles or who do we need to start looking at uh externally to kind of grow into those types of roles and and this is the part two where it's a longer it's a longer view from the leadership perspective and so i work very diligently and very hard to make connections with our local universities our local talent pools because you know, it's not that they're young individuals. These are individuals that are going through a learning experience right now and something that doesn't exist yet that will exist in two years as a, as a career option. Those individuals that potentially, if they're coming back to school, if they're new to school, whatever they're, you know, wherever they're on their, their life's journey, but they're in the right journey portion to fit in with where we are as an organization and where we're going. Does that make sense, right? So I don't yeah. care if the person's 20 years old or 40 or 60 years old, if they're going back to school to learn new skills, and those new skills are aligning with what we think we're going to be seeing in the year or two years, starting those conversations early to say, hey, look, you have a potential opportunity in the future to come work with us. And again, the fun part is uh, when I was finishing my PhD, one of my lab mates was great. And he said, you know, the fun thing about our, our training and education is the job that we'll have in five years, it doesn't exist yet. And I didn't really believe him until I got, you know, into machine learning and AI as a leader and said, oh, this is totally true. Like this was, wasn't really around, you know, previously. Um, and so I think kind of from the, from the strategy idea, it's thinking about what is it and keeping your eyes peeled and your fingers on the pulse of what are the big tech companies doing, right? What's happening inside your industry? Where do you see kind of things shifting or what's, what's becoming important uh, in terms of what tools do you need and what talent do you need to be able to, to build or run those tools? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to plug away. I don't even feel ashamed doing it. Obviously, we met through one of our Cronium conferences. And I think, again, that's another way to, to stay in touch with people, because especially, especially when it's cross industry as well, just understanding what's going on in other environments. Um, if you if you're more regulated or less regulated and, and being able to kind of see over the, the fence. And I think that's so, so important. And I mean, when, when it comes to, as you mentioned, not, not even having uh, the career you have today existing when you're in education, do you think when, we, when we're talking strategy, there is a desire for more leaders to move into more agile strategies in the fact that they... you If we are honest, none of us have crystal balls. We, none of us saw COVID happening. Um, it's increasingly difficult to say in five years time, X is, is the dot we're going to aim for. Is that something that you've been considering or do you still vouch for the kind of longer term strategy view? What, what's your thoughts? So to take this back to the beginning, right? So it's, I look at it as in terms of risk management. So before I'm getting ready to go on an adventure that has a high probability of somebody getting hurt or injured, right? I make sure I'm fully recognizing where my, where my medical limitations are to provide care. 
what do I need? And I'm not a physician, right? I'm a PhD. Uh, so my, my joke is if I'm the one providing your care, something has gone horribly wrong, <laughs> right? But, but taking it back to kind of that example of what are the things today that I can do to mitigate future risk that I know is going to come up, right? We know the industries are going to be changing. We know those goalposts will potentially be shifting or we might be playing a whole new game. In, in you know three to five years from now, what is it that we're looking for from kind of that core perspective of do we have really robust foundational systems in place, right? And a lot of times at the enterprise level, that comes down to what's your relationship with other departments, other department leaders. You know, if if all of a sudden the organization you're in starts to shift and kind of have more of a finance direction, right? Understanding what you can do to help your finance team today and watch them kind of grow and see, oh, we are actually shifting towards this or towards operation or towards something else. Um, and kind of leaning in that way and saying to this is what I'd say to myself is, you know, what are my unknown unknowns? Like what I don't know mm -hmm. is going to come back and get me. And so stepping back from leadership kind of, and I would say this is a bit of a different way to describe agile strategy, but the idea of stepping back to say, where are the risks future state that I can see? And, and you know, I even go through the planning because you know, the contingency planning of what happens if everybody on our teams wins the lottery and disappears? What do we do? Literally, what do we do? Where does our code live? What models would keep going by themselves that don't need weekly interaction or monthly interaction? And we have that listed out and we kind of think about in terms of, you know, doomsday scenario, which <laughs> I would say for, you know, thinking about as a healthcare system for COVID, um, that set us up fairly well because we have a lot of things that we haven't touched in a while that we've gone through this really painstakingly task of automating but now we don't have to focus our team's time on that right those those models and outputs run automatically and those delivered through different you know avenues um, but going back to the idea of the agile strategy is trying to really understand bringing in the, the nimbleness to be able to shift and pivot when needed, but also being able to try and recognize what is it that's coming down or what are you seeing kind of coming future state. And it goes back to foundational systems in place, the relationships that you have within your organization, right? Setting, setting yourself up for success, uh, the talent and people that you've acquired and built uh, around you as a team. Um, all of those things I, I think are, are what set people up for success. And then all, this is a little bit outside of this conversation, but attitude. Right? Do you have a positive attitude to adopt change? And it's something that's so easy to say, but it, truly for humans, we are creatures of habit and we wanna be doing the same thing every day. Like that's what makes us happy and healthy. As a neuroscientist, there's tons of research that shows that's what, you know, we're, we're the happiest when we're out camping for two weeks plus. It's just how it is, right? <laughs> um, and so kind of, kind of going through and, and adopting and, and, and fostering that culture of positive attitude and we can face any challenge that comes along to us because we don't know what the challenges are. You know, we check the weather, we're gonna go mountaineering, but at the same time, storms can pop up at any time. And so if you didn't bring your down jacket and your, your shell, because you thought it was gonna be a sunny summer day, that's a recipe for disaster in my mind, and you probably aren't gonna get divided on my next trip. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so it's that, it's that pre-planning risk management and just kind of keeping your eyes open and not being complacent, I think is the, the key. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm very lucky, Justin, I get to go over to our business of InfoSec side and do quite a lot of uh, content there. And it's so funny to me how so many conversations are so similar in different area, but so similar. And they, they were saying that uh, the companies and organizations who, who do tabletop exercises of every scenario under the sun, 
those when they encounter problems are prepared they've got that that plan of action as you were mentioning there they've got their down jacket to put on because they've worked through this and they know they need it and i think for those organizations who haven't done these sorts of exercises the pandemic really did kick them in the stomach and going forwards i think it's going to be a, a cultural shift that we, we we certainly see going uh, uh forward for for certain and it's interesting you you bring attitude and and i think we, we all like to think, as you say, we like change. And I mean, personally, we, we've just gone through an IT migration and I've had to stop myself from doing several tantrums because things aren't in the pretty colours that I put them in my calendar. And it's just the truth, right? We, we don't like change. And I think being being honest with ourselves of how we how we approach that is is key as well. So the last question I always ask on every single podcast episode is, is there one or two things from our entire conversation we've had today, Justin, that you would like our listeners to walk away listening to, thinking about as they go back into to work or whatever it is they're doing for the rest of their day? What do you want them to be thinking about? Ah, this is a good question. So I think we just touched on it. Change is imminent. We know the world is changing. We live in a dynamic world. It's just how it is. And so being able to understand and respond to change in a positive way how do you set yourself up for success in that sense? And that's different for every single individual at every single organization, right? So there are, there are recipes you can follow, but at the same time, it's just kind of understanding that as a part of life, which if you're in a leadership position, you've, you've experienced it at least you know, a few times in your career, if not more. Um, but just kind of thinking about what are the things that made you successful in the past to deal with change, right? Bring those back. Those are the skills that you're good at. And then also the idea of where, where are those unknown unknowns? Right? Where do you where are you not looking potentially, and what are you not thinking about? And that's where again I am so appreciative of our 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 gatherings and meetups where I get to meet with other leaders specifically across industries because different industries are different places along our data journey. Right? Um, that what I say is kind of one one portion. The other portion is uh, thinking about the idea of talent and keeping your talent engaged and excited about work, and. When it's done well and you have a really fun group of people around you, it seems very easy to do, right? <laughs> As a leader, our roles are to inspire and motivate others to do their best work. And sometimes when you get an individual who, depending on what's happening potentially outside their four walls of work, is having a rough time in life, right? Helping, helping to recognize, you know, how do you, how do you get that person to bring their best to work every day? And as we've known for the last, you know, 18, 24 months at this point, uh, COVID has changed that. And so we're no longer, you can no longer go and pat somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, great job. You know, you really crushed at that meeting the other day. Everybody's loving the analysis and the model's going to blow our socks off. To how do you interact with those people so you're not intrusive, but at the same time, you know, building them up so that they can then do their best work um, and helping individuals grow. I think that's part of the talent portion too, is again, going back to change. It's a dynamic place. We're all growing, we're all changing. And when done well, it seems like, oh, yeah, this is easy. But when you have to put work into it as a leader, it's something that, you know, is fun and challenging, but it's also extremely rewarding to watch people blossom and grow, which is cool. I love that. What a great way to end the episode here today, Justin. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. It's been my pleasure. It's uh, been an honor. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. Do be sure to subscribe and follow the Business of Data podcast wherever you're currently listening to ensure you're always first in line to the latest episode. We'd also appreciate your review as well. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us a review. And as always, find us on socials as well as heading over to the Business of Data platform for more forms of great content, including articles, blogs and video. 
until next time stay safe stay well and we'll see you real soon